I'm hoping to finish chapter nine today. That's the intention. Um, but I've got a lot of notes, so we'll see whether we get through it or not. So um, it's been a few weeks. Um, thank you, Lugie, for filling in, and we've had a missionaries and this and that, So, um, and I've had a lot of football going on, got home a little after midnight last night from a football game, but I got prepared earlier in the week, so um, we'll hope I'm good to go. I feel like maybe I am, we'll see. Um, so we started John chapter 9 probably four weeks ago. Um, and didn't get as far then as we were hoping, as I was hoping to. So this is uh, part two of the of healing the man born blind, which is one of my absolute favorite stories. Um, but uh, we'll pick it up here. Um, but but first I'll pray and then I'll do kind of um, a recap of, of where we were. So with that, let me pray. Father God, th thank you for this day. Thank you for this, uh, the beautiful sunshine outside. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the freedoms that we do enjoy in this country. Um, and we pray that you would help us to preserve those. Um, but we thank you that we can look into your word this morning. And we do ask that your Holy Spirit would be the one to guide us, that you would use um, our feeble words and our feeble minds to understand a little bit more about you and what it means to follow after you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so in John chapter 9, it is the, the story of the, the healing the man born blind, and Jesus' disciples demonstrated uh, the bias of their culture when they asked Jesus this question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're... they're the way they asked the question showed it right, right immediately what, what was in their hearts and what was really in the hearts of, of their culture. We discussed what it must have been like for this man growing up uh, in this culture with the st stigma that he or his parents has, had caused his condition by their sins, um, what that must have been like. Uh, we discussed how he would have been labeled and how labels never encapsulate a person. Oftentimes they don't even really hit what's true at all, but they never get the whole, the whole picture. Um, so we talked about that a bit. We, uh, let's see. And so then after that, Jesus heals him. He heals him in a way that was sure to irk the Jewish leadership as he broke their Sabbath laws. In addition, he did it in a way that was uh, unlike anything he had done before, and which sometimes disturb, disturbs us a little bit, but it was, seems like it was kind of intentional that you can't, you can't make a formula when nothing goes the same way every time. So Jesus did some things a little different, and, and I think that's probably one of the reasons. So Jesus makes mud puts it on the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash. He goes, awash, he goes away, he washes, and um, his eyes are open. And he comes back, and most people don't want, didn't want to believe that it was him, and understandably. Um, we don't quickly accept the, uh, the supernatural, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. Um, we, you know, the, we are natural people in natural bodies, in a natural world, and when things are outside of the natural, we naturally go, wait a second. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. 
But sometimes we can also miss what the Lord is doing because we're too focused on the natural. So um, after the people had wrestled with whether he was the blind man or not, uh, and, and part of the wrestling is now their label has to change. He's not the blind guy anymore. He's not the man born blind. Well, he's still the guy who was born blind, but now you've got to add, well, now, he's, now he can see because the first label doesn't, doesn't fit, and you've got to put him in a different box now. Um, so after they've discussed this for a while, then they take him to the Pharisees. Why would they take him to the Pharisees? They're the leaders. They're supposed to be the smart guys. They're supposed to be the ones that, you know, know these things and figure them out. So, uh, so they thought they were the smartest people. Um, and I'm guessing the Pharisees had probably not done anything to discourage that idea. Oh, yeah, we are the smartest guys in the room for sure, right? Um, so here's this guy who has just had his life completely turned around. Um, his eyes have been opened for the first time. And, we, you know, he's probably in his 30s. Um, so he's been in this condition for a long time. He can't even stop and enjoy the fact that he can see now. You know, he's immediately, he's like this political or religious ping pong ball, you know, and, and people are wanting to tug on him this way and that, and he can't even just stop and enjoy looking at the leaves on the trees, you know. Um, so after answering the question of all the common folk, then he had to answer all the same questions in front of the Pharisees. Um, and remember, this was a Sabbath, so the Pharisees are they're probably in a synagogue, could have been in the temple, but anyway, they take them to, to, this, to these guys, um, and that makes sense later on when they say, they're, they're going to say they put him out. So they put him out of somewhere, so it was either the synagogue or the, or the temple. Um, what would have been the significance of bringing him to the Pharisees in the temple or synagogue? And I'm getting warm. If somebody could turn the heat down, I wouldn't be bothered by that. that Good. To demonstrate that the Messiah had arrived by um, the man born blind. Okay. Well, I think, I think in taking him to the Pharisees, they're kind of kicking it up a notch, right? It's not just we're having this, com- this conversation out in the street. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, ooh, we're, we're going in front of the synagogue and we're going to the synagogue and we're getting in front of the, the leaders now, you know, this is serious and it was serious, obviously. I mean, he's, was born blind. He's been healed. That's a big deal. Um, but now it's, it's kind of official. It's like, you know, it's a little bit more like being under oath than just we're having a discussion out in the street. Now it's like, okay, anything you say here can and will be used against you. You know, I mean, the, and we see it. That's what's going to happen. Um, yeah? Uh, wasn't it also a case that anytime anybody was healed from leprosy or blindness or anything, they had to be examined? Specifically leprosy yeah. because of the nature of it. You know, you're not supposed to, yeah, you're not supposed to be in contact with anybody. If it's healed, then you need to go show yourself and then you know, confirm that, yes, you are healed. Right. Um, so, the, yeah, the Pharisees, now you're in front of the Pharisees, and they're, they're looking for some way that you're going to slip up and they're going to catch you in it. So, um, now we've come to verse 15. I don't remember exactly where we stopped, um, and probably nobody else does either, so we're going to pick it up in verse 15. Um, and the, the Pharisees are in full interrogation mode. Um, why? Did they have a problem with a man being healed? 
What's that? It was the Sabbath. Yeah, it's all about, we, we know what it is. It, it's, it's this bold-faced, you know, prejudice. Um, and they are prejudiced against the blind man, right? Their words indicate it. What, what kind of words do they use? Well, it's, it's that they've got an entire worldview of how things work. Yes. And it's very much that that worldview needs to submit to what they say. Right. And Jesus is challenging that, and this is very much a, um, it's a problem of them having to recognize an authority that they haven't created. Right. And that's where the, they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about their authority and keeping their authority, keeping their power, keeping their prestige, and being able to be the ones who say, these are the rules, you have to follow the rules. These are, no, they're not our rules, of course. These are what God put in place, but clearly they're not. Um, and we know they're not. It's very clear that they're not because Jesus violated their rules. And we know that Jesus did not violate the law the actual true law, so we know if they're offended by something he did, he, he offended their law, not God's law. Um, so yes, they're prejudiced against this blind man, but ultimately they're prejudiced, prejudiced against Jesus. If the blind man continues being the blind man, they'll just continue calling him a sinner, but they don't really care because he fits into their paradigm, he fits into the whole thing, and they're okay with that. Yes, sir? Yes. Yeah, the culture is totally centered. And, and, and again, these guys have determined they have the law from God, but these have created a whole new religion based on that that they can manipulate to their, to their favor. So verse 15, then the Pharisees also, uh, also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he plied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. So again, this is their law. Jesus offended their law. This, he can't be from God because he doesn't follow the law, right? Which is, of course, their law. Um, so they have to, they have to dis diminish and discredit. That's the whole goal here. Um, and then they have to elevate their rules to keep people from believing they should depart their broken system and go to Jesus, who has a wonderful system, right? Um, and so their motivation was fear, um, and their tactic to keep their power was fear. If you make people afraid, they're going to not be welcome in the synagogue. They're not going to be welcome into polite society anymore because they're doing the wrong things. They're following the wrong guy. You're not following the guy, the people who are in charge here. Um, so then uh, I think picking up in the middle of verse 16, but others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. The ice is getting a bit thin for the Pharisees. People are starting to engage their brains which can be dangerous if you're ruling by fear. You want people to be working on their emotions. You know, not, not, don't, don't, embrace, don't engage your brain. Verse 17, so they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Pharisees asked this ridiculous question, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? It's pretty obvious when you add this miracle to all the other miracles they'd seen, um, 
but they don't want to see. And that's really the point we're getting to, is they don't want to see. We don't know anybody like that. We don't know anyone in our society, you know, and we don't know ourselves that, you know, we don't want to see. We never have those situations where we just want things to continue the way we understand them to be. We always like having our understanding challenged. Um, let's see. So then they decide they will try to discredit the miracle by saying he isn't really the same man. Um, this is just a hoax. So they bring in his parents. And that's uh, verses 18 to 23. We're not going to read them, but, but basically... When they bring this, his parents in, his parents are afraid of being kicked out of polite society. You're not going to be able to come into the synagogue if you say Jesus is who he says he is. If you say the wrong things about him, you're going to get booted. And so they bring him in, say, is this your son? Yes, it is. How did he get his sight? We don't know. Um, we just know he's our son. We know he's born blind. Um, but ask him because he's of age. So we, we don't want to have anything to do with this, right? Um, I'm not real impressed with his parents, but then again, you know, when I, when I think about those things, I realize they were in the same situation he was, that for years, all of this man's life, they've been said, you were a sinner because your, your son was born blind. So they have, they're, they're not, they're barely in polite society at all. You know, they're probably tolerated, but that's about it. So I can tend to be a little too harsh on him, on them, um, but I have to be a little careful about that. Um, and they may have been, even been carrying around guilt that we must have done something that caused him to be in this situation, right? So, and, and they didn't, almost certainly didn't hear Jesus' words, which we talked about last time, where for the first time, this guy hears somebody say when Jesus says, it was neither him or, nor his parents who caused this, but so that the works of God would be worked and, and, you know, just fireworks going off in his head. They didn't hear that. So they don't recognize. They're, they're still functioning under the same um, system as the Pharisees that, well, we must have done something wrong. He was obviously born completely in sin. Um, so... Parents say, he's old enough, talk to him, we're leaving. So then uh, verse 24, so a second time they, the Pharisees, called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. Well, when you don't have a good argument, just name call. Yeah, that, that always works, right? Um, we don't really know, we, we're kind of running out of good arguments here, so we're just going to call him names. Uh, verse 25, he then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I, was, though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become, this, become his disciples too, do you? Ah, now we see this man has not only had his eyes open, but the eyes of his heart have been opened. He is, he is on board. He recognizes who he's been dealing with. Um, he's gone from just seeing Jesus as a physical healer and a prophet to someone he needs, he needs to latch on to. 
someone he wants to be close to. Let me get out of here so I can go find this guy. Because what you guys are doing is a, <coughs> is a total waste of time. Um, he, he, he sees this as somebody special. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but I know a genuine miracle. I know true power, and I've witnessed it for myself. I've seen it. I, I recognize it. So he's ready to get out of there and go find Jesus. He figured out these guys have nothing. Um, I want to be one of his disciples. Who wants to come with me? Right? I mean, he's just like, let me go. Um, so then verse 28, they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't even not, do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, well, here's an amazing thing that you don't, do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this boldness, right? He blows us away. This is why I'm looking forward to meeting this guy in heaven. I just, I just love his story. I love, this is so cool. We see confidence. We see fearlessness. Um, we see a huge contrast between him and the Pharisees, right? We see a big contrast between him, him and his parents. We see eyes of faith, eyes to truly see Jesus for who he is. And this guy would have been an expert on blindness and on who's been healed of blindness and who hasn't. He's obviously an intelligent guy. Now, typically, if somebody's blind and they can't work, they're a beggar, what does society do with them? Yeah, cast them away, writes them off, you know. Obviously, he doesn't, his brain doesn't work because his eyes don't. That's, that's the natural conclusion. This guy's proving, no, for 30 years or more, as I've been sitting there, I've been taking things in. And he has... He's an expert on blindness and who's, been, and who's been healed and who has not been healed on blindness of blindness because it matters to him a lot more than it does to anybody else that's been, that has sight, right? So he knows no one has ever been healed who was born blind. No one, ever. Never heard a story about that. You don't hear it from countries far away. You don't hear, you don't hear those stories. Um, and so, it's a big deal. He, he gets it. Um, he's done his research. He's well acquainted with the fact that no one's ever been healed. Um, and so now we see in this argument that he's making, he's using their understanding against them. Because they would say, we know God doesn't hear sinners. If you had asked them, a few hours before this, or a few minutes before this miracle happened, does God hear sinners? No, He does not. Mm -mm. Um, if He were from, if He were not from God, He could do nothing. And they don't have an argument. Um, he's incredulous. You don't know where He's from, 
Seriously? Um, verse 33, obviously, if he's not from God, he couldn't do anything. But he has done everything. He's done something no one has ever done before. How is that possible, Lugie? And they're really talking about two different things. The Pharisees are allowed yeah. to say, like, hey, tell us about our law about the Sabbath. And the man is saying, let me tell you about the healing that happened. Right. And so for you to assert that, like, well, because of this, clearly he's a sinner. Right. And he's saying, like, but this is what happened. This is what I experienced. So you have to now correlate that and basically have that stand up against what you're trying to argue. And your argument is basically invalid in this basis. From, from my experience, the fact that I can Right, down, right. Yeah. Right. You know, what, I don't want to put this the wrong way, but what's supernatural about the Sabbath? You know, God put it in place, and it is important, and it's significant. But it's not miraculous in keeping the Sabbath. You know, you, you can keep the Sabbath, and, you know, according to their rules. And in reality, you can't keep the Sabbath. In some way, you're going to break it. That's the way the law works. It points us to the fact that we're sinners, right? So, but now we're talking about something truly miraculous, a man being born blind, being healed, you know? And how do you, how do you reconcile those two? And they want to keep coming back to, well, he broke the Sabbath. O okay. According to your idea of that, I don't see the significance. I see the significance of somebody being born blind and being healed. That, that's, that's a big deal. Um, so he's, yeah, they're on two different pages. They're like in two different realms, you know, because um, they're talking about their little rules and piddly stuff over here, and he's talking about heal, big time, big deal. Um, anyway, so... He has done everything. Verse 34, they answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us. So they put him out. Again, name calling. Yes, yeah, Sue? Right. Yeah. In verse 33, that if, the, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, sir. Right, right. Yeah, th that's what's funny about the Pharisee statement is, you were born entirely in sins. <coughs> yeah, okay, as were you, you know. We all were. Your point is, you know, again, it's like they're, they're functioning on this. And, of course, they're, they're, their perspective is really totally earthly. They are not, and, and, and Jesus, you know, when Jesus says, this, this, this happened uh, 
for the works of God to be on display. It's to point out the fact that, yes, there's physical blindness, but your real problem is spiritual blindness, and we're getting there. That, that's where he's getting to. And so they're like, you were born entirely in sin. Yeah, we all were. My eyes are being opened to that. Your eyes are still blind to it. You still think that that only applies to me. And I'm recognizing it applies to all of us. But there's this guy that I need to go find because he's got answers that you don't have. Um, so again, they call names. Um, and they feel justified about saying this about him because he was born blind. And in their paradigm, that was the answer. That he, was born, that he was born in sin because he was born blind. They weren't, therefore we're not sinners. Um, and when you can't win the argument, then you go to the next step and kick them out, right? Um, if yelling louder doesn't work, then just remove them um, and you know, come up for re with reasons for why. You know, he just wasn't listening, and so we got we to get rid of him. Um, yes, ma'am. Yeah. The worldview and the fact that he was actually fussing at them because they weren't seeking a true relationship with God. They only had their rituals. Right. And they were running out of answers. They had no good answers for what was really going on here. Um, and their pride is showing through. You were born entirely sins. What's the implication? You were born in sins, and unlike us, so, so that pride shows through. So verse 35 Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Such enthusiasm. He's like, hunger. You see this hunger um, for the truth. Now that his spiritual eyes, spiritual eyes had been opened, he was hungry for what was true. Hungry for him who was and is truth. Um, all the lies were laid bare, and he could see them for what they were. He saw the bankruptcy of the religious leaders who were only using religion to control and keep power. He was hungry and thirsty. He craved righteousness. He craved truth. He really craved Jesus Christ. Um, and both his physical and his spiritual blindness were gone, or at least on their way out. Um, so Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Um, and so when Jesus reveals himself to him, the man does what is completely natural and appropriate. It's funny because when we, if you've read the Bible much, whenever you see somebody bowing down at somebody's feet, what do you normally expect to, see, to hear said? Don't do that, I'm just like one of you. Because that's usually an angel, right? And, and so somebody sees this amazing, powerful angel, and they're like, you know, hit the floor. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm a servant, just like you. You know, I, I'm not worthy of worship. The guy hits the floor, and then Jesus is, that's appropriate. There's no, there's no, don't do that. It, it, that is right and appropriate. And this, so this, this man's eyes have been opened. We see his eyes have been opened. Right. That, yep. To me, it's very Yeah. Excellent point. Lord rather than just rabbi. Um, 
So verse 39, and Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. And that's the whole point of this whole story. We find one of the primary reasons this man had to be born blind. It was a lesson. It demonstrated the power of God. But it also pointed to the problem of the human heart. Natural man has a problem. It's spiritual blindness. We all have it. It certainly pointed to the problem with Israel and the Jewish nation. What problems does spiritual blindness cause us humans? Can't see truth. Can't see truth. Do we judge well? <laughs> no, we don't. We do not judge correctly. We don't see what is true. We only see the outside. We see the obvious. How good are you at seeing people's hearts? I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. Um, in Matthew 23, Jesus talked about the Pharisees and did a lot of, spoke a lot of woes, but in this whole idea of um, the inside versus the outside, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Spiritual blindness is mankind's natural condition. What does Jesus offer? Light. He, he removes our spiritual blindness. He offers that. Um, he allows us to see what is true, what is true of him, what is true of us, what is true of others. Um, he takes the blinders off of our eyes. Um, once we've been healed of our spiritual blindness, do we see everything perfectly? No. No, no in fact... Um, Ephesians, Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, whether the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Who was Paul, Paul praying for? Believers or unbelievers? Believers. We still need to have our eyes open. We still need to... Um, not allow ourselves to be blinded. Um, why? Yeah. And to me, that's a process. Mm -hmm. It is. Time. It is. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I remember what I was when I was first saved. Right. And how, oh, oh. I know. Yeah, I've got it all figured out I've now. I've got it all figured right. out. Right, right. And how now I'm much calmer and much more willing to listen than I was then. Yeah. So what, what is it as believers that gets in our way of seeing clearly? 
think that's the key right there. If you didn't hear it, pride. Pride is what gets in our way, I think, most of the time. Um, Pharisees, you can see, were eaten up with pride. They had established themselves as the paragon of religious perfection. It's easy when you've created the rules for the game and you get to manipulate them as the, as the game goes along, it's easy to win the game, right? Um, so as those of us who have had our spiritual eyes opened, we have to guard against allowing our supposedly perfect knowledge and understanding of the scriptures to cause pride in us. We have to remember it is the word of God. We will not understand it perfectly, this side of heaven. Um, it is living and active. It is God's word, not just, not just somebody's, right? Um, as believers in Jesus Christ, what should be our defining character trait? Should be pretty... Somebody go ahead and say it. Not pride. Humility, Humility right? Luke 18, 9 to 14. And he also told this parable to some people who had trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to, merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I remember this from one of Charlie's sermons or somebody. I remember, as soon as you think you're the tax collector, you're the Pharisee. How do you measure how well you're doing in the humility department? What is, what is humility? Absence of, self. Absence of self. Is it thinking less of yourself? No, it's thinking of yourself less. Exactly. And we tend to think of, I have to think of myself as lowly and small and all those kind of things. So I've got to focus on me to make sure I'm small and lowly. Is that the way that works? No. no. It, it feeds right back into pride. Look at how good a job I am at doing lowly and small, right? No. Um, so the truth is you really can't measure how well you're doing at humility. It doesn't work. It's kind of a broken question from the beginning. Um, as soon as you ask how am I doing with my humility, you've already crossed the line. Humility grows as we think less about ourselves and focus on Christ and on others. Why is humility so important for believers? Was in Christ humble and had humility? Mm-hmm. Aren't we supposed to be more like him? We are supposed to be more like him, yeah. It allows us to get out of our own way. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't hear that, it allows us to get out of our own way. Why? So we can see Jesus. 
Because we need to see Jesus. Because I mostly focus on me. I mostly see me. Jeff is who I focus on most of the time. Yeah, yep. I must decrease so he can so he can increase. Um, our only hope of pleasing the Father is by submitting ourselves and our will to Christ, <clears throat> allowing Him to live His life out through us, being a vessel with no will of its own, simply being shaped by the Potter and the, uh, used according to His will for us, not determining for myself what I want and how I plan to get it. That's not what our world tells us we should be focused on, how we should be doing things. Did Jesus demonstrate humility? First of all, did Jesus demonstrate humility? Yes, clearly he did. Um, did he do it by making sure he was always the least? No. No. How did he do it? Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. The will of the Father, whatever the will of the Father is, yeah. Because I remember the, my, one of my favorite parable, well, stories in the Word is how he washed the disciples' feet. Right. But even, even saying being a servant, it's being willing to be a servant because sometimes we want to be a servant Just to, show off. to show off or because we feel that's what needs to be done. And sometimes we can get in the way of what the Lord is doing even as we're being a servant, and isn't it good that I'm being a servant? So if we're not focused on Him, we can do good things for the wrong reason, and we can cause more harm than good by trying to do good. That seems so backwards and doesn't make sense, but it, it's true. Um, Jesus' way of demonstrating humility was trusting the Father. Whatever the Father's will is, that's what I'm going to do. If it means serving, great. If it means going to the pool of Bethesda, whatever that was, and healing one person when there's a whole group of sick people around, and we don't know whether he healed anybody else or not, but he didn't obviously heal every single sick person in the nation of Israel in it while he was there. He healed a lot. But did he heal everyone? I don't know. Was it the Father's will to heal everyone? I don't know. He did what the Father directed. He was led by the Spirit, not entrusting any will of his own, but is entrusting every provision, his every decision to the will of the Father. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, humility for us, am I willing to die to myself today? I've said this before, but, you know, you, uh, as men, you know, talk about, you know, I'd take a bullet for my wife, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sacrifice myself. Really? Will you sacrifice today? Will you put your will aside for the good of your wife and your kids? Well, that's a little different. Now, that's a lot different, actually. Will I, will I sacrifice for the good of others? Or will I demand, I need this time for me. I need, you know, I need, I need, I need. Um, it requires confidence in the Father that 
um, no matter what the circumstances, he has your best in mind. Um, and it means putting no confidence in our flesh. You know, of all the things I'm proudest of, I'm proud, proudest of my humility. <laughs> That's essentially what the Pharisee was saying. Um, and sometimes we say it with our attitude and actions. Spiritual blindness is our natural state, and it comes from focusing on ourselves. Only when I lose track of myself. How much time, and again, it's one of those things I have to look back and think it's not like I can go, okay, so now today I'm not going to focus on me. Again, it doesn't work that way. It's when I look in hindsight and go, I spent a whole day today, and I don't really think I thought too much about what I needed, wanted, whatever. Like, well, that was cool, you know, but I can't, I can't really plan it out. If I focus on Christ, I can get there. If I focus on me, I'm going to fail. It's not going to work. Um, we would like to say that we are no longer spiritual blind, that since our physical eyes, uh, since our spiritual eyes have been opened, we now see perfectly, we now judge perfectly. Is that true? No, no it's definitely not true. Um, this was one of the other questions that I was wanting to get to that I think we're probably just going to cover this way, but do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do we have any hope of judging perfectly? No. Not, not on our own. I think as we, you know, as I am listening to Christ, as I am submitted to him, there's maybe some chance that I hear him say, this is how this should be judged. That's my only hope. Um, so just a real brief um, application. How bold are you? Not bold Think about that man and this man who was born blind. We were all born blind. Our eyes have been opened. How bold are we? How much confidence do you have in Jesus and his ability to work through you, to speak through you, to be a light in this world as he shines his light through you? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are fragile, pathetic beings. It wouldn't take much to take any one of us out. I've had a couple of wonderful trips to the hospital this year, and you, I'm starting to go, wait, Am I getting older? Because all of a sudden the, I'm having to like learn doctors' names and stuff that I didn't have to know. And um, we're frail, but we do have this treasure. We can get focused on the frail and miss out the fact that we do have this treasure. And what else are we going to do with it? Are we letting the world see it? If not, why not? 
All right, that's all I've got. I will be, I was just going to say after services today, I'll be offering humility lessons <laughs> based on my vast experience with the topic. So if you want to sign up. No. Just kidding. Any other thoughts? How are you going to follow that one up, right? All right, Lugie, will you pray for us? Amen. Thank you.